0: Father, I thank you for Vincent here. Thank you, Father, for what you have uh, revealed to him as he prepares to wait upon you. I pray that today, as he share your word, you will empower him, strengthen him, that he speak for Father with confidence and your empowerment. That you will challenge us for actions, and I pray that all of us will be awake, physically, spiritually, emotionally, to receive from you. We thank you. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good afternoon and sing them quite a lot. If you don't understand what it means, you probably don't celebrate it anyway. I understand also today is uh, everybody's birthday according to the Chinese tradition. So uh, happy birthday to all of you who who celebrate that. Um, As Chi Wang said, we are continuing uh, with uh, Roots and Wings and today. We want to talk about biblical values. And I just want to show you a passage which helps us focus on uh, biblical values. And this doesn't work. Uh you can help me with the next slide. Matthew 13 says this, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So here's a man. He's found a treasure, right? He's found a treasure in the field. Uh, obviously, he doesn't want anybody else to know it, right? Because treasure is treasure, right? So he hid it. And then what does he do? Now, if you have assets, you know, right? If you have assets, you suddenly I ask you to buy a piece of land. What do you have to do? Okay, some of you look really young, but I'm sure you have some assets, okay? And, and uh, usually the older folks who have more assets to buy land, what they'll do is they have to liquidate some assets. They'll have to sell some assets. So they may have to sell the property. They may have to sell some shares. They, so that takes time. <coughs> so I, I just want to just color this bit uh, a little bit more because this, this, this shows the excitement of the man, right? He's just found this treasure. He hid it. And then or he's found this pearl. And then he's got to go and sell everything he has. And for most of us, hopefully, <laughs> to sell everything we have doesn't take one day. All right? Of course, some of us, we're fast, uh. Right, but for some of us, uh, selling everything you need to find a buyer and all that, uh, and it takes a while. So this guy is so excited to sell everything he's got, and uh, maybe a lesser illustration is, is what I do every Christmas. You know, every Christmas I try to find a fascinating book to to buy for my staff, my colleagues, and this year I decided on uh, uh, this 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 book called The Party, all right? P A R T Y is about a Communist Party. It's not about party, yeah. It's about the Communist Party of China, and almost always every year. Uh, I am slow to act So by the time I do Most bookshops have run out of stock Because usually the, the book I would like I think many people also like right? And then I would dutifully call Harry's all right? not, not, not the pub, huh? Harry's the, the higher end version Of popular bookstore uh, I would call Kinokuniya I used to call page one which is no more I used to call borders which is also no more And when I find one And this year I found Kinokuniya uh, I would say, how many copies do you have? Of the party And they say uh, How many copies do you need? And I say I need X copies And my next question is always Can you hold it for me? Right? Because it's two days before Christmas Or three days before Christmas Can you hold it for me? And they say Oh sir Many people want this book So if you want it You've got to come out This afternoon And I will brave the crowds I will go through Takashimaya And and you you can imagine That mess in that place Right? It's it's like a nuclear holocaust And, And everybody is just Going through that I will do it Because I found My pearl of great price And my urgent behavior shows it, right? If I don't grab it, it's gone. So that's a lesser illustration of of how values drive behavior. If you read the Straits Times recently, there was a spat between the Hong Kongers, the people who stay in Hong Kong, and the mainland Chinese, the people who have descended on Hong Kong. And uh, one group called the other group dogs, right? Dogs not as in uh, English dogs, dogs, but... uh, 走狗, okay, lackeys. So they call them uh, lackeys of the British. So one group called names. You are lackeys of the British. Uh, you are snotty. You are snobbish uh, in behavior. And the other group returned the compliment by calling them locusts. You guys are locusts because, you, because of your aggressive behavior and how you overwhelm our country. And it's interesting that one particular member of a group uh, belonging to the, to the dog group now, I'm not saying they are dogs or they are locusts. I'm just reporting what was written in the papers, okay? I don't support any particular group. But a particular member of the of the dog group, uh, a Hong Konger, wrote uh, this on her Facebook uh, blog. Uh, but the most distinct values in us are those learned from the British. Our values, our sense of the globe, and our English language. That's what distinguishes us. Now, what is this person saying? This person is saying that the reason we behave differently, because of our values, right? We're not locusts. Kay? She didn't say she's a dog, but she said we're not locusts. And the reason we, div- we, we, we are different is because of the values we have. So now we know. Values, you probably know this, you don't have to be a genius to know this. Values shape your behavior. It defines your lifestyle. Kay? What we value drives us. So more importantly, the question to ask ourselves is, how do we gain values, right? How do we gain values? Um, you don't need to be to, to, to follow tennis to know this lady called Maria Sharapova. She's, once you see her on the papers, it's hard to miss, right? especially for guys, I think. Uh, she's very pretty, she's very tall, she's almost like a model. I think she, is a, she has modeled before. Uh, she, she's on the front page of a few advertisements for watches, all kinds of things. And Maria Sharapova is very nice to look at, uh, very pretty, very um, tall and all that. But her opponents can't stand her because on the court, she makes a lot of noise. Uh, she grunts. So the opponents say they're they very irritated by her grunt. So every time she returns a ball, she serves a ball, she, she makes a very loud no- noise. Uh, opponents have described it to, to, to the grunting of a pig or the, the slaughtering of a chicken, the sound. right, and, um, and so somebody decided to measure how bad it is. Right? How bad is this sound, this grunt? And they found that it was, uh, I think, 90 over decibels. Now 90 also decibels. I understand again from the newspapers, right? I don't follow this time, this kind of thing full time. Uh, I understand it's only a few decibels below the, the sound of an ambulance siren. Right? So it's pretty loud. So I, I do have some sympathy for the opponents. That <laughs> can you imagine when you're playing tennis? It's <laughs> that kind <of> thing. So <laughs> so I think they do have a reason to to complain that she's she's just way out of uh, way out of control. But I want you to hear what Maria Shoropova said when people asked her, "Hey, are you going to do something about the grant or not? Are you going to do something about the noise?" All right. So this is not from the Bible. Huh? this is from uh, Maria Shoropova. The next, the next slide. I've been the same over the course of my career. No one important enough has told me to change or do something different. It's interesting that she didn't say, "No one has asked me to change." She says, "No one important enough has asked me to change," and I think we can identify with that. You know why? Because our values are gained through instruction by people of influence. People that we look up to. You know, every Chinese New Year, um, since I was a teenager, this thought crosses my mind. You know, in Chinese New Year, we all have this tradition of visiting our relatives. Right? And I don't know whether it's still the same for you, uh, but in my time, uh, when I was a teenager, I used to kind of dread it. Right? Because every time you go, or when I was a kid and I was a teenager, I kind of dread it. Because every time you go... You see these people that you see only once a year, right? These relatives, and uh, usually they compliment you on how tall you have grown and how old you have grown, and um, and then after that you just sit in silence in the living room, right? And you will watch a rerun of the Chinese New Year countdown uh, the day before. Every house it repeats the same thing: Yishu Namokyo, uh, the works, right? And and now when you're young, you you probably can't do anything because your your parents are strong people of influence, right? And, and when, they, when they tell you to visit the relatives, uh, you probably can't say no. At least for my case, uh, I couldn't say no. But I noticed that as I grew as a teenager, right, uh, and, and I, I noticed that as many young people grow, uh, some of them uh, are dropping the habit of visiting. I'm, I'm, I'm using this to illustrate that, you know, while values may be caught and learned and taught by people, our experience oftentimes determines the priority of our list of values. We are not one value person. A lot of us hold many different values in our lives. And so, not only is is it important to ask, what values do you have in your life today? I think what's important to ask is also how do they rank up? How do they stack up? uh, In terms of uh, the values. I don't know whether you you follow um, the ministerial pay debate uh, on the papers. Or in, I, I don't know whether you're interested that, uh, how much they earn and why we're paying them so much. Uh, I'm not, again, uh, advocating one one stance or the other, okay? Because when I was speaking at the first service and I was talking about this, wow, I saw a lot of old people shaking their head. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not saying <laughs> the ministerial pay debate is correct or wrong, okay? I'm just using it as an <laughs> illustration. So don't, don't argue with me about how much they should be paid after this sermon, okay? I, I don't care. Um, but, I think one of the arguments that they put forward I think has some merit. They say a person who is a potential candidate to be a minister will at least have two values inside him. One is the value of public service, which means he has this value of saying, society has given so much to me, it's time I give something back. I think that's a good value. That's a good value to have. That's your生活教育 and your civic consciousness. These are the things that people teach you and, and, and you imbibe. So that's a good value. But our dear prime minister says, uh, nobody is just one. That va- nobody just has one of that value, right? That means I just want to die for my country. Okay? Not, not, not so many people have that lot. Like. There may be some, but not all. Uh, most of them have another value called family welfare, right? Which means that, hey, our families are important to us, and I want to see my kids have a decent education, I, I want my wife to stay in. Beeson House and all that kind of thing. So, why they advocated, what they advocated in terms of pay was, let's, let's not set the bar so high that, oh, only if you have a public service value, then can you come in. You must rubbish your family, we can pay you $500 a month and you still do it. Right? Of course, they're not paying them $500 a month, you know. Huh? It's probably like 55000 a month. But um, the point is, we are not single value people. And I think there comes a point where sometimes it's important to ask ourselves, how does this value rank against that value, right? Because we're not single value people. And I think for every potential minister, and maybe God may raise some of you to be ministers, hopefully, uh, you will come to that crux where you'll measure which value is more important to you. Is public service more important? Or is uh, district 9 for my family? Or district 10 or big condominium or whatever more important for my family? Okay, so those, those are how we usually debate the priority of values in our life How often have you heard of a person who had a near miss with death or car accident or something And then their whole priority list of values are rearranged right? they, they don't really get new values, but their list of priority uh, changes Let me give you an example Suddenly, relationships matter more than achievements did he have the value of relationships before the accident? Of course he had. It's just that it was very low. Right? So now, and last time, achievements used to be very important. Now it's reversed because the guy nearly died. Right? And he says, oh no, if I die, uh, I can't bring the, all of my medals to my coffin. Right? So relationships matter. So suddenly, it's, it's, it's switched. Right? Priorities change. The older one gets, and there are not many here, the sooner you realize that time and health are precious commodities. Right? And deserve high priority in our lives. But it's very hard to teach this to the young and energetic. That, hey, hey, take care of your health. Right? They will still sleep at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., and then wake up at 6 a.m., and, and, and play some more, and then happy, happy. Right? Uh, that, that's young people. And it's very hard for a person to say, oh, hey, you've got to take care of your health. But when the experience comes, ah, uh, then it changes. Right? The value of health changes. I know of a person who was so affected by the loss of a parent. Right? When he lost his parent. Uh, he was so affected because that parent was, uh, didn't know the Lord. So this person was so affected uh, that, oh no, my parent didn't come to know Jesus before uh, passing away that this person became a missionary. Right? This person became a missionary and what was uh, his rationale? His rationale is never again will I let uh, these opportunities pass in my life. I want to devote my life to expanding the kingdom of God to evangelism. So did he have the value of evangelism before his parent passed away? I'm sure he had. right? It's just that after that experience, whoa, it went to number one in his life. Because he saw his parent pass away and he really regretted it. Okay. So what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that values are instructed by people of influence. That's how we get values. But I tell you that the the, the, the roja or, the, or that mixture of values in your life, their priorities are decided by your experience. Okay, What you experience in life will decide how you prioritize health, time, fun, popularity, relationships, achievements. That's, that's, that's the way it works, All right, through the few illustrations we've seen. So now that we know value drives behavior, values de- define our lifestyle, Values are gained through instruction by people of influence and values are prioritized by experience. Now what remains for us as responsible children of God is to see how we can, number one, control the influence we come under and two, harness the experiences we find ourselves in so that we end up with the right priority list. You get me? Okay, The important thing for us today is to find out how we can control the influence we come under and then harness the experiences we have, we find ourselves in, to ensure that we have the right experience. How are we going to do that? I'm, I'm going to talk a bit more about it. So let's get on with it. Firstly, we know values are gained through people of influence. And to clarify, these are not always people we know Intimately, or even, we may not even know them. Let me give you an example. Notice Maria Sharapova said there's nobody important enough who has told her to stop grunting. Right? Now, somebody important could be someone important relationally. Could be her father and her mother. Important to her, and they tell her, hey, can you stop grunting or not? Right? And because the father and mother is important, hopefully to her, uh, she'll say, okay, I'll stop grunting. Right? But, there could be somebody important positionally who can influence her, right? The umpire. If the umpire says, hey, you, you better shut up or I'm going to deduct a point, right? I, I think she'll do that. In fact, the, the main complaint is that the umpire doesn't do it. But, but somebody important positionally can, can be a, pers- a, a person of influence. And maybe another person could be an expert in the field, right? Let's say a doctor. Let's say if a doctor tells Mara Sharapova that at the rate you're granting, you're going to lose your voice box, right? I think, I think, I think she will, <laughs> hopefully, she will change. Right, Because uh, I think losing the voice box is pretty serious uh, So n- what I want to say is We are influenced not necessarily by people we know or know well okay? We are influenced by people of influence by we- These are not necessarily people we know well. They could be experts in the field They could be someone important relationally They could be someone important uh, positionally You know I know a of people who swear by this uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People It's written by this guy called Stephen Covey the people who swear by it, I'm quite sure they've never met Stephen Covey in their life. Right? But they live by it. It's important to them. It's like a manual for life. Uh I had a I had a relative who went ballistic when another relative lost her investment book by Warren Buffett. Okay, Warren Buffett is this guru of making money by investing. So when she lost it, she bought it from the US and another relative lost 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 it for her. Uh she went ballistic, right? She 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 just went crazy. And she was busting away because it's like she lost her Bible or her meaning in life. And I'm quite sure she's never met Warren Buffett face to face. So these are people are influence who you don't know relationally, but they exert an influence in your life. A few months ago, when Paul Vodker was in town, and I think this is really old, okay? Uh, Paul Walker's is 80 plus. Now he was the ex uh, fat chief, okay? Uh, uh, and you know, that's the central banker of the USA. He was two before. Okay? So the current guy now is called Ben. And the guy before Ben is called Alan. Right? Paul was before Ben and Alan. A okay? big guy. Was well known to be very principled. And this client called me up. He was in Jakarta. And he said, I'm flying down to Singapore. You know why? Because Lee Kuan Yew Institute of Public Policy is inviting Paul Vodka to speak. And I want to fly down because... Uh, one, it's free uh, Two, uh, I admire Paul Vodker very much right? So I say, okay uh, I'll go with you and, his, and in his words, he was saying He should be able to give us some words of wisdom now, of course, Obviously this client doesn't know Paul Vodka uh, I, I, I heard of him, but I don't know him right? But wow, when he listened to him I, I didn't feel that it was fantastic But when I listened to him, I was, saying, Whoa, I was nodding his head away And saying, wow, very good, very good uh, I know people who look up to our founding father Lee Kuan Yew, right? He buy, they buy every book that he has, Hard Truths, Men in Black I don't know, don't know what uh, His journals, right? Everything he churns out They buy uh, And when he says eat 70% full enough, everybody eats 70% full enough, right? When he says this is how I stay alert this way, I exercise and everybody exercise. When he say I meditate they all meditate, right? Then he talks about graduate mothers, but I won't go there about graduate mothers, okay? Uh These are opinion leaders, right? These are opinion leaders. You don't necessarily know them, but they shape your opinion. People of influence who shape our values. They shape what we value, and therefore they shape our behavior. You ever had an experience when you held on to a certain belief or a certain perspective, and then a person you greatly admire in the field comes out to say something contrary? I don't know whether you have that experience. I have that experience all the time. And one such experience was when I was young, and there was this huge debate about uh, the Pentecostal movement, and, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and speaking in tongues. Okay? And when I was young, and I, and I didn't do my... I, I wasn't uh, very, very vigilant in, in studying the Word of God. Uh, I remember how I vacillated from one view to another every time one important person in my life say, oh, this is the stand. Then I say, oh, makes sense. Huh? Then I jump to that side. And then the moment the other guy says, another person of influence comes out and says, oh, this is the stand. And then I'll jump to the other side. Right? Quite a confusing life. And that's how sometimes we're influenced. Right? That's how we're influenced. People, opinion leaders come along and they shape our values. Okay, I want to have some audience participation now. How many, how many of you want your souls to be revived and refreshed? Put up your hand. How many of you want your souls to be revived? Okay, not everyone. Huh? You're very fresh, is it? Okay. okay. How many want to be wise? How many of you want to be wise? Okay. How many want joy in the heart? Ah, the most. Huh? first service, same thing. Everybody want joy. Okay. Uh, how many want light for the eyes? I not a to be abstract. Okay. Not many people get it. Okay. That means guidance. Ah, huh? guidance for your life. How many wants to know the way to go? Okay. Edwin, if you can show the next slide. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. there is great reward. What's it saying? Statutes, laws, legal stuff. What's he basically saying to a layman is the principles, the instructions, the ways of the Lord revives your soul, makes you wise, brings joy to your heart, brings light to your eyes, makes you rich, guards you, rewards you. My question to you today is, is the Word of God an opinion leader in your life? You know, Jesus once rebuked the people of his time. There are two stories in the Bible. One is from the book of Jonah, right? The book of Jonah, Jonah was a prophet who went to Nineveh, asked them to repent, then they repent. Then there's another story in the Bible where this Queen Sheba, or Queen of Sheba, she heard so much about this wise king called King Solomon that she traveled all the way from the country to listen to King Solomon. Okay? There are two stories like that. And Jesus scolded his people and said, you know, on Judgment Day, uh, the people from Nineveh are going to stand up and blast you guys because they listened to Jonah and they repented. And there's someone here greater than Jonah and you're not repenting. And then it says, on the Day of Judgment, the Queen of Sheba is going to rise up and blast you guys for being blind because Queen of Sheba traveled all the way to listen to the wisdom of Solomon and there's someone here wiser than Solomon and you're not listening to him. Jesus also told his disciples, Do you know how privileged you are? Many prophets and men of God what long to see what you're seeing, long to hear what you're hearing, but they did not. Basically, Jesus was telling and asking them, Do you realize there is greatness in your midst? Do you realize there is greatness in your midst? And I believe he's saying the same to us. Do you know how privileged you are? To have the Bible as it is today, bound nicely. God is the expert on life. He should be your ultimate opinion leader on how to navigate this thing called life. Do you realize there is greatness in your midst? You know, when Joseph was confronted with a sexual uh, uh, seduction, he said, how can I sin against God by doing this? paraphrasing it, what he's saying is, I choose the way of the Lord, I choose the instructions of the Lord because the way and instructions of the Lord are good and His love is sure. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. You know when Daniel's three friends refused to bow down to the image that the King Nebuchadnezzar set, set up and asked them to worship, they were saying, we choose the way of the Lord. We choose the instructions of the Lord, because the way and instructions of the Lord are good, and His love is sure. By them, is a servant warned in keeping them. There is great reward. You know, when Daniel continued to pray, although the king's decree is no one can pray to any other god except their idol, Daniel was effectively saying, "I choose the way of the Lord. I choose the instructions of the Lord, because the way and instructions of the Lord are good, and His love is sure." By them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. I want to encourage you to do the same thing today. To choose, to say, Lord, I choose your way. I choose your instruction because your way is good and your love is sure. By them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Romans 12.2, many of you know it. Some of you memorize it. Don't be conformed to the pattern and the mold of this world anymore. But be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. So that you may be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, acceptable and perfect will. I want to encourage you to start by immersing yourself in the word of God. There is greatness in your midst. Jump on it. Let the living word of God be an opinion leader in your life. Um, If you can show the next slide. Just to hammer it home. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. We're not talking about the law law. This year we're talking about the ways of the Lord. Choosing the ways of the Lord. The principles of the Lord. Immersing ourselves in... Putting ourselves under the direct influence of God's Word on a daily, regular basis is a surefire way of ensuring we imbibe godly values. So that's about getting the right values. Controlling the influence we come under. The Word of God as opinion leader. Now, How, how, do, how do we manage the priorities that these values, uh, how, how, how do they stack up? How do we control how they stack up? You know, Jesus has a very hard saying. He says, if anyone loves his father or mother more than me, he's not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That's a really tough saying. I, I, I have two sons. I have one daughter. Uh, you ask me, hand on heart, do I love them more than God? Uh, uh, I'll tell you, it's a tough one. Okay, I can't say yes, certainly. Right? So I know this is a very hard command. Right? And, um, but I believe Jesus was not asking us to hate our children. Okay? He, Jesus was not telling us to hate our parents because somewhere along the line in the Bible, he says, honor your parents, right? Because it comes with a promise of long life. So he's not asking us to uh, hate them, but actually what he's asking us to do is in terms of priority, loving God must be way up there. Them, parents, children, etc., etc., etc. That's what he's saying. But that's hard, right? Easy to say, but very hard to do. And I just want to... Um, maybe share with you and the, the, the illustration from Abraham's life will be useful because he was the guy who was prepared to slaughter his son when God asked him to so that we have a live example. Okay? So let's learn from, from Abraham. Uh, Hebrews 11 says this. Uh, next slide, Edwin. Uh, By faith, Abraham at a time of testing offered Isaac back to God. Acting in faith, he was as ready to return the promised son, his only son, as he had been to receive him. And this after he had already been told, your descendants shall come from Isaac. Abraham figured that if God wanted to, he could raise the dead. In a sense, that's what happened when he received Isaac back, alive from off the altar. So how did this man get to where he is? To love God more than his son. How did the value of putting God above his son got enabled in Abraham? I think because the Bible tells us that Abraham figured that if God wanted to, he could raise the dead. And I think somewhere in there was Abraham's experience of God's power in his life in helping him to father this child at 100 years old. Now, he was really old when he had this kid. And it's a miracle. Abraham looked back at his experience of God and it enabled him to look ahead and see the invisible God. What do you mean look ahead and see the invisible? Okay, let's, let's, let's try to form a composite picture with another guy called Moses. Now Moses was an interesting one. Do you know that Moses was a prince of Egypt? You probably know. Huh? Hollywood told you that. Right? Uh, you know. And he had the finest affair. He had the best education. He had probably a lot of good food. He had the favor of the king and, 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 and all kinds of things. Power. He probably had ladies if he wanted to. And do you know that after Moses left and, and what about the Israelites? Okay, let, let's talk about the Israelites first. What, what were they in Egypt? They were whipped, they were tortured, they were kicked upon, some of them died, they were forced to do hard labor. Interestingly, uh, who was the one who always wanted to go back to Egypt? Uh, the Israelites, you know. I, I, I never knew this until uh, Evan Shaw gave me a book and I read it and this author talked about it. It's really interesting that the Israelites, were the, the guys who were whipped and kicked and they should hate Egypt, Always wanted to go back to Egypt. The guy who should actually love Egypt uh, didn't like it. Interesting, right? I, I, just, I just find it interesting. Like there's no, there's no mind blowing lesson here, but I just find it interesting. Okay? But uh, if you can show the next slide, uh, uh, Edwin. And then this is the same thing Hebrews 11. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ far greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Because he was looking ahead. By faith he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. So I think Abraham did the same thing. He looked ahead and he saw God who was invisible. Moses, same thing. He looked ahead And he saw God who was invisible. Now when I combine what the Bible says about Abraham and Moses into a composite picture, here's what I get. I think, I think, I suggest to you, the conclusion I reach about their ability to put God way up there is they harness each experience they had of God in their past and use that to help them look forward. You get what I mean? They harness each experience they had of God in the past and help them look forward. And as they looked forward, they began to see him who is invisible. Very abstract now. Maybe it's very abstract. Let me just um, explain it a little bit more. In fact, let's, let's use the case of Moses. I want to suggest that he first chose to stand with the people of God. Right? He chose to, When he was a young man, he said, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand with the people of God. Why? I think because Moses was nursed by his own mom. Right? And he knew he was a Jew. He wasn't an Egyptian. And I think somewhere along the line, the mom, being a good mom that she is, uh, would have told her, do you know, son, one day the Lord will deliver us. One day Jehovah will deliver us. And I think that stuck in his mind. That made him choose to stand with the the Israelites. Because he could see the reward. He trusted the mom who told him that, do you know, our forefather Abraham said, God told our forefather Abraham that he will deliver us. Right, Joseph said the same thing That God would deliver us So he believed He stepped out in faith And he believed And then he saw God move in his life As he stepped out his faith, in faith His experiences grew to the point Where he could see him Who is invisible Now I want to contrast that With the Israelites What, what kind of, what kind of uh, behavior did they have I want to say that They were the exact opposite of Moses They were looking at the present for their reward and they saw only the visible. Okay? They looked at the present and they saw only the visible. They were willing to bet only on what they could see and feel. Not willing to take a chance with what God has said. Not willing to build on God's previous faithfulness. Every time they hit a rough rough patch, no water, bitter water, no meat, food, they will complain, they will grumble. And that's why Moses always told them, please, please, Don't put the Lord to the test. The Lord has guided you by letting you see, then you believe. The Lord wants you to bring you to the next stage where you believe, then you see. Okay? And that's the bit that Moses and Abraham crossed, but the Israelites didn't. That line, that invisible line, that God is encouraging us to cross as well. You see, as we imbibe the godly values of God and as we grow as young Christians, God will be gracious enough to show us something to build up our faith. See, believe. See, believe. See, believe. One day, God will say, believe. Then you see. Okay? And the Israelites couldn't cross that. Right? They were very used to plagues, 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 whack the enemy, whack the enemy, got sea in front, the sea will part, uh, no water complain water come no 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 manna complain manna come no no quail complain quail come water bitter uh, complain throw a piece of wood into the into the water the water become sweet and God said when when after all these experiences when will you believe when will you trust me when will you believe and see unfortunately for the israelites they never made that transition from belief then see. They're always stuck at see then believe. And the question I want to ask us today is, what are we doing with the experiences that the Lord has brought you through? You know, I, I, I journal a bit. And I, when I look, at back, look back at my journal, oftentimes I'm amazed. Even though I tell you at a point when I journal, I find that you're writing rubbish today, man. There's nothing you're writing that's worth, worth, worth talking about. But every time I look back, hey, something is there. Right? And, and what, what are you doing with the past experiences, God? Are you, are you building on it? And what are you doing with the rough patch that you are facing now? The Lord could be encouraging you today, just as He has led you in the past, He's encouraging you today. Child, believe, then you will see. My way is good, my love is sure. Believe and you will see. I want to end off with um, two simple parables that you all know. In Luke 19, it says, everybody is given, their 10 servants, all of them given one mina. Okay, one mina is a currency. Okay, all of them given one mina. And then one of them came back and said, Master, I've got 10. And the master said, Well done, rule 10 cities. Second one came back, Master, you gave me one mina, same as the first guy. Of course, he didn't say all that, but I'm, just, I'm just helping you to remember. Uh, I made five more. The master didn't say well done. The master say rule ten cities. Okay, I want you to I want you to notice. Okay, the everybody given one Mina. One made ten, one made five, one of course horrible made none. Okay, but we talk about the five and ten. The ten one got well done, rule ten cities. The five one didn't get well done, but say rule five. Um, the ten one said, well done, rule ten cities. The five one, no well done, just rule five cities. Then in Matthew 25, there's a parable of talents. Right? Parable of talents is he is given five, she is given two. Uh, okay, nobody's given one. Okay, we don't talk about that one. He's given five, she's given two. And then he multiplied it to ten. The master said, well done, enter into my rest. It made ten. Uh? She, two, became four. Master said, well done. Enter into my rest. Okay, same compliment. Okay? I want to suggest to you that Mina is amongst other things. The grace of God and the word of God, the ways of God that's given to all of us. All of us have access to that. All of us have access to the ways of God, the grace of God, the principles of God. We all have access to that. And one day, we are going to give account. The people of Jonah will be there in Nineveh. The queen of Sheba will be there. And we will have to give account, I believe. Of what we did with the wisdom of God, the greatness in our midst. And hopefully we will be the guy with 10. That God, you gave me your principles, I lift it up, man. Right? I follow your ways because your way is good and your love is sure. But the parable of talents, instead of just talking about talents, today i want to tell you it could be experiences. Now, I'm going to go through some experiences that he's not going to go through. And he's going to go through some experiences I'm not going through. It's going to be different. Some of us are gonna have five experiences, some are gonna have two, some are gonna have one and and different. But the Lord is seeing what we do with those experiences. What do we do with the experiences that the Lord brings into our lives? Right? So I I I want I want to encourage you to, to think of it along that way. That today we're challenged to let the values of God influence us by immersing ourselves in the Word of God. All of us are given that one mina, make full use of it, grow it, let it guide you. And then there will be experiences that will come into your life, different experiences, and the Lord is looking to you to harness it, to make you love Him more. Okay? I just want to end off with this quote by this uh, from, from a table calendar that Chi-Ming and Karen gave me in 1996. Oh, that's like, that's like forever. That's how much I love them. Okay, I kept it. Um, if you complain of time and take such joy in the seemingly timeless moment, It suggests that we were created for eternity. Not only are we harried by time, we seem unable, despite a thousand generations, to even get used to time. We're always amazed at it, how fast it goes, how slowly it goes, how much of it is gone. We aren't adapted to it. We are not at home with time. If that is so, it may appear as a proof or at least a powerful suggestion that eternity exists and is our home. You know that. I think that can resonate with most of you. I hope with all of you. It resonates with me. That we are made for eternity. And we need to make sure that we get eternal values and we make sure that the experiences we are getting in our lives, we are able to be harnessing on the past experiences we have with God to help us look ahead and see beyond to He who is invisible. I just want to get the musicians to come up. And uh, as we just digest, as we just digest what God has said, <clears throat> I just want you, where you are, to make your 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 that that affirmation, that declaration again. That Lord, today, I choose Your way because Your way is good and Your love is sure. Do that where you are. and The second thing I, I want to invite people to the altar if you want to be prayed for is if you, are going, if you are going through that rough patch and it's hard to believe then see. You are stuck at the see then believe. See then believe. God, I can't make that transition from believe then see. Now if that speaks to you, you come forward. We want to join with you in prayer. Okay? As we as we sing uh, the song that um, Raymond will lead us. Why don't we rise? So make that affirmation. Lord, I choose. I choose your way because your way is good and your love is sure. By them, am I warned? So it's not just a book of warnings, right? God's, God's word is not just a book of warning. In keeping them, there is great reward. I want, to see, I want you to, to embrace the balanced nature of God's Word. God wants you to have goodness in your life. Not only is He warning you, but He wants you to have a great reward as you follow His ways. So just tell the Lord, I choose your ways. And then, if you want someone to pray with you, as you make that transition from believing then seeing, you come forward and I want to pray for you. Okay?
1: God is, God is able, he will never fail, he is almighty God, greater than all we see, greater than all we ask, he has done great things, lifted up, defeated the great. To life, how oh, God is Savior in His name. We overcome for the Lord, how oh, God is
0: Savior. Just wanna issue that altar card.
1: God is Sweet us, God, God is on our, our side, and He will make a way, far, far above all we know, far above all we hope, He has done great things, lifted up, defeated the great. Our God is able In His name We overcome For the Lord
0: Our God is able I just want to Issue that altar call again If there's anyone besides uh, uh whoever's already up here Who wants to be prayed for to make the transition from seeing them believe to believe then see. Uh, you come forward, we want to pray with you as we sing this song again.
1: Lift it up, lift it up, feed the grave. Race to life, how God is able, in His name we overcome, for the Lord, how God is able. Lift it up, lift it up, it did the grave, Race to life, how God God is with us. The grave race to life. Our God is able in his name. We overcome for the Lord. Our God is able, lifted up, defeated the, the grave to life our God is able in His name we overcome for the Lord our God is able
0: Praise God. Let's close in prayer. I want to pray for you. Oh Jesus, I want to pray that Lord, you will make this generation, a generation that seeks your face. Lord, I want to pray that Lord, you will intensify the desire in our heart to seek your face, Lord, to seek your ways. I pray that Lord, you affirm in each and every heart here today, including mine, that Lord, your way is good and your love is sure. And that Lord, in keeping them, there is great reward. And by them, are we protected and warned. I pray that Lord you you, you you well up in each and every heart today a strong love for your word and for your ways Lord oh let your word come alive to us Lord because Lord your word is not referred to as it your word is referred to as he because Lord Jesus we know you are the living word so Lord let us let us respect your word let us reverence it let us let us follow it teach us to love it Lord I want to pray. Also for those of us who are struggling with experiencing you in our lives, I want to pray that Lord, you will you will teach us to store up in our lives a depository of the experiences we have had with you in the past. That Lord, you help us to recall to mind your faithfulness, your power and love in the past. And that Lord, with that, we'll have the confidence to look ahead and to see the invisible Lord. Bring us to that place Lord, from seeing to believe, to believe and see, Lord. We want to mature in you. I pray that, Lord, 2012 will be that year of maturity for us here. In Jesus' name we pray.